How might either one of those look in a post-COVID militant secularistic world where the doctrine is considered hate speech and large gatherings are determined as potential super spreader events of viral infections <laughs> or wrong? What do you think? Somebody else have a question? <laughs> Well, I think uh, COVID, COVID taught us that the church can still be the church, uh, despite you know what happens in the culture. Tonight in my sermon, we're going to kind of walk through um, the Apostle Paul's, the end of his life, and kind of some things that happened in the, in the church. Where are you going, Steve? I'm leaving. <laughs> you're, you're just bailing on this question, aren't you? Uh, and you'll hear tonight, but there's a, a point in time under Nero's reign where Christianity really kind of had to go underground. So I think in, in, in America, we've been used to just a certain level of consistency of being able to meet together in public buildings and all. Uh, there may be a time we have to adjust that. And so I think COVID taught us that you do have to adjust. The church can still be the church. There can still be gathering. Um, I know in China... You know, they, they have to figure out ways to make it work. My wife and I were in the Philippines a couple years ago. We were sitting with two students. We were at a Christian school. And there were two students there from China, two girls, they're friends. And the one girl said, my dad's a pastor. The other one said, my dad's a pastor too. They said, but our dads are pastors in a different way. The one girl's dad was a pastor of a state-sanctioned church. The other girl's pastor or dad was a pastor of an underground church. And she said, Every day she fears the call that her dad's been put in jail. And here's these two girls, they're friends, and their dads are pastors in different ways. So I just think it's unique uh, how different people in different places have to try to stay together as communities of, of Christ. So is that okay, Steve? Yep. Is that okay, Marty? That works. I think it's great. Do you want to address that at all, Marty? Well, I'm not pastoring right now. So... Okay, so as a leader in one of our schools, that being Faith Baptist Bible College, yeah. uh, how, does, how does that impact training more students and, and how are our students supposed to respond to these kind of pressures? What do you think about that, Steve? I'm Steve. Oh, he's he's Mike. To me. Sorry, Mike. I did know it was Mike. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, so... Um, so a month and a half ago, we were in New Hampshire at some church thing and, and uh, had supper with the family that was out in Guam with us uh, a few years ago when we were having some major pressures um, from the government, similar to COVID, just a little more intense, I think, now and all this Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, intersectionality, uh, SSA, all of that. And I said, you know, we, we were the potential, the discussion was losing our tax-exempt status. If that happens, then as even lawyers today would say, that would probably be the, the um, great difficulty for churches to begin paying on taxes of their property, which most couldn't sustain. And I said, well, to the church, to the church, I said, we still will be the church even if we lose all of these properties, we will then meet under a coconut tree. 
and then went on. I wasn't saying it glibly. I was like, I meant that. So here a month and a half ago, and one of these guys was there at the church at the time and quoted me on that. So I would still say the same about that. Yeah. And so, as Mike said, the process of how we, so we read the Bible and we read the church in American eyes. So that's how we process this because we are one of the few countries that have actually had freedom of religion and therefore, thankfully, for leadership that allowed us on some financial basis. <clears throat> and, and so the gap just gets bigger and bigger. So as Mike said about the... Um, Chinese church, for example, or churches underground, that, that they don't process life. When they read the church, they read it as a New Testament church, which is, that's what they're, they're living yeah. with. So. Some of that stuff is not fiction that he, that he talked about in terms of like tax-exempt status and those things. There was, uh, back in the last election cycle, a couple of the major candidates for one of the parties, which will remain nameless, may or may not rhyme with schlemocrat. Um, I didn't say it. It remained nameless. Anyway, there were a couple of the major candidates that actually said in the process that they, they felt like churches need to lose their tax-exempt status if they didn't fall in line with the sexual revolution. That was actually said. That's how it starts. It starts by being said, and then it'll become on the platform, and I'm, it, it's, ine it's inevitable in, in some ways. So just okay. got to figure out how to do tax evasion better. <laughs> wow. All right, so... Um, <laughs> the Smothers Brothers. What's that? Smothers Brothers. You're next, buddy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So as I look at this, um, from my perspective, uh, I look at, 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 at COVID and all of those peripheral issues that are part of that uh, the same way that I do with any crisis that our family has ever faced. And that is, I go back and I rehearse what do I know about God. I know that God is faithful. I know that God is sovereign. Above all else, God is sovereign. And not one thing, not COVID, not anything, is outside of God's control. So if we lose our tax-exempt status tomorrow, praise the Lord. We may have to learn to do things differently. We've already had to learn to do things differently as, as part of the church in, in the COVID pandemic. Okay. So God is faithful. God is sovereign. God doesn't make mistakes. God knows exactly what he's doing. And that's what we need to rest on. Because if we don't, we're going to be so overwhelmed by all of the voices crying out for our attention that we're going to stop hearing the still, small voice of God. And, and I, it may be simplistic, but that's the way I look at things. The, we're not getting out of this unscathed, okay? And if we thought we were getting saved so we could just live the easy life, 
Well, we've already had a multitude number of sermons this week that that's not true. So we need to understand that we live in a sin-cursed world. And we need to be following hard after God. That needs to be our number one goal. And, and that's just where I fall on that. So, okay. You guys have any other questions that you'd be willing to ask publicly? Because otherwise, we got like 20 minutes and we got nothing to do. Or you can text the questions to Pastor Steve. Put that up on the, on the, on the board, will you? You ready? Does he have your number back there? Do you have my number, Noah? Oh, that was helpful. Shrug shoulders. 641-430-7659. So if you have a question and you want to text that, put, put that up on the screen and then you can just text Later me. on in a camp bathroom Wait, stall, there will be a, <laughs> for a good time, call 641-430. And how, do, and how do you follow that up? I agree with pastor and what's been said, God is in control. But does that mean we, as the lay people, that we should be sticking our head in the sand, act like the Pharisees of Jesus' times, and get roundly chewed out by Jesus for not seeing the signs of the times and being prepared for his coming? And I'm afraid that in too many churches, Baptist churches, fundamental churches, we're ignoring it. And the pastorate, the leadership, the colleges, the seminaries are not preparing the proper leadership to lead the people. That's what this is all about this week through these coming times. Comments? I also think that the camp should ban metal water bottles and coffee cups. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like every chapel. <laughs> Somebody. It just, I'm sorry, it just so happened it was right up here today. It's, um, what was that question again? No, I'm kidding, yeah. No, I think, uh, Marty, do you, you want to go on this? Or you I'm not pastoring. Oh. <laughs> so convenient. Yeah, I'll answer it Have yeah. my message today. I think uh, the Apostle Paul did not set out to work his ministry through, you know, the government and stuff like that. He, he wasn't trying to change the government. Um, but as I, I preached through Acts last year, and it was interesting just to see the way he shrewdly used the system to his advantage. So I think there is a, I mean, even his citizenship, right? He, he shrewdly used his citizenship, so... Like there is some kind of a balance there of we don't just rest and say, well, God's sovereign and he'll, he'll take care of me. And we do that in our heart. But I mean, Paul had to actually decide. There was a point in which he decided, I'm going to appeal this to Caesar because it's not going to be helpful for me to take this trial back to Jerusalem because I might get ambushed on the way. No, I mean, like he wasn't just resting uh, lazily in God's sovereignty. Like he actually chose, I, I'm going to make this appeal to Caesar so that, so that I don't get sent back to Jerusalem because that could be detrimental to my life. And so he used 
you know, he used the system. There was kind of a balance between using the system and then at some point just saying, well, this is, this is what God wants. Um, I think we can do that as Christians as well in our uh, personal lives. Mostly, I think, in our personal lives. I'm not, I'm not big on the, ch the organized church coming out constantly with, you know, announcements on Sunday morning. Go down to your, go down to the Capitol and do this or that, but just more on a grassroots level of in your own, you know, personal life as Christians, using your civic rights that you have for good. Excellent. I'm going to shift gears. Uh, talk to us about resources for discipleship and reaching out to those around us. And then how do you use that in your context? So I'm going to let you start, especially with the stranger work. Yeah, on my list was The Stranger on the Road to Emmaus. So that's uh, the best book that I found that works evangelistically for people. Um, and you should just read it. If you haven't read the book, you should read it. Uh, you may actually realize you're not saved and come to know Jesus for real uh, through reading that book. And then uh, there's some other resources there. We've used the book Visual Theology quite a bit. It's just a, a very beautiful description of, of basic Christianity and basic theology uh, through pictorial depictions and um, kind of helps people grasp theology in that way. Marty? Um, who's on dis discipling? Is that what's kind yeah, of the basic? Yeah, discipleship materials that yeah. you might use and then how do they work in your context? Yeah. So, um, so I, on a personal level and then let's say in within a church context and reaching out to the community. I think there are four primary relationships that Paul in, mentions in his epistles and Peter makes it very, very clear. These are always the four major areas of conflict and they, we carry all of them. Uh, one of those is as a, a citizen in obedience, uh, an employer, mm -hmm. uh, an employee relationship, Family, First Peter three, and um, three and four, and then within the church. Okay. So within that context, um, most people that would come and have any interest in the gospel, interest is in direct proportion to need. If I don't need anything, then I'm not interested in it. Sell me a Tesla, I'm not interested. Well, maybe I would be, <laughs> but. Um, so if I have a need in one of those four areas, I got interest, and it'll all end up rooting in my relationship to God. So, so I normally start with, if there's interest at that level, then I move to, hey, listen, have you ever thought about the Bible? Most here in the Midwest, yes. How would you be interested in doing a little Bible study? That's normally where I start, mm -hmm. and it's normally through First Thessalonians. To me, that's the best book to start as far as leading people to the gospel. There's five chapters. Read one chapter a day, and we'll start working through that. Mm -hmm. From that, it, it, if they come to Christ or if they don't, then I, I have a little booklet that I do on seven target areas, biggest, the seven biggest decisions of a person's life. Okay. So that's personally what I use. Okay. Good. Um, what I use is... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm just pretty basic, so I like the four John studies, and if you've heard Tim Capon in any of your churches, he really pushes those. I've used those ever since I was discipled back at UNI uh, back in the day, and so uh, I use that. I use the share Jesus without fear, the five questions I'm really starting to 
enjoy walking through that. And then also, um, I have my Bible up here that has the, when you share the, the gospel, the share Jesus without fear says that uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so you always want the person that you're, you're dealing with to be reading the word. And so as I would open my Bible and show it to Roger uh, and he would read uh, Romans uh, 3.23 at the top of the Bible written upside down so I can read it. It says Romans 6.23, and that's the next verse I want to go to. And so then I would turn to that verse, and then when I turn that around to have him read that, uh, then I would already have the next verse written at the top, upside down, so I can read it and, and be able to walk through that. And so it's a really easy way to walk through the plan of salvation. It's not just necessarily the Romans road. There's more involved to it in it, but that is really helpful uh, to have somebody else actually do the reading and and you just asking simple questions like, what does that mean to you? And if they get the meaning completely wrong, you just say, man, that's good. Let's let's read that one more time and then kind of keep working until they, they get around to that. Um, Real quick, Steve. Sorry. There was I, I've met with a group of guys for a long time and we went through uh, several things. We read through Ryrie's Basic Theology together, mm-hmm. which is honestly... It's, it's low bottom shelf. I mean, like you can, anybody can read that and, and understand it well. Uh, we've switched to something else. So if you have a pen and paper here, write this resource down. It's really good. We've been going through this for a long time now. It's called The Bible. <laughs> Honestly, we, what do we do next? We just, we're sitting there like, I don't know. Let's get together. Let's read the Bible together. So when we meet for breakfast, we just read chapters. You go around and just read chapters of the Bible mm-hmm. together. And they don't want to do anything else. Like that has so much benefit just to read the word. And what you find, before people had personal copies of the scripture, that's, that's how people grew. I mean, that, that's what they right. did. They read that's the true. Bible out loud in context with groups of people. Like there's really something to be said about yeah. doing that together with people. Okay, we're going to uh, shift gears. Were you going to say something else? Okay, shift gears again. And uh, apparently you guys are tired of hearing about all the books we like to read because you're asking, what do you like to do in your free time besides reading? So what do you guys do to relax? That was one of the other questions that came in. What do you do to uh, wind down or chill or whatever you want to say? Okay, I like to hunt, fish. Lynn and I kayak together. Um, we also uh, go camping and love to do that. And anything outdoorsy, we go hiking, uh, do those kind of things. And so I like, to, uh, I like to grill, smoke meats, stuff like that, all kinds of good stuff. So that's what I do to relax. It's good. I like to smoke as well. <laughs> Cigars, though. Yeah, no, I, I, was, I knew it was coming. <laughs> You don't have a beard. You're not spurting. I see. Uh, yeah, I, got a, I have a smoker. That's kind of a new thing this last year. It's been fun to uh, figure that out. And uh, we like to bike a lot. Um, I like coffee. I actually have been a cupper Good before. Job. You said that. You said something. What You asked me. I asked if you were a cupper. Are you a cupper? And I did, it was out of context. I was like, a cupper? What? 
in the but world. But you are, <laughs> and you knew what it was. I thought of acupuncture when they put yeah, those things right. on the back. I'm like, no, I know, I don't yeah. do that. Right? <laughs> anyway, yeah, a cupper, cupping. Uh, I roast coffee as well. Uh, we like to hike and do things outdoors. And honestly, right now in our phase of life, spend time with the kids really is uh, my main hobby. Apparently, you like to go bike riding. Yes. Deep theological questions while riding bikes. Good. I should write a book someday. Yes. Bike rides with Zoe. There you go. There you go. Marty? Uh, I think it's kind of come in stages. So when we were younger, um, we did a lot of antiquing. And then as the kids came along, that was really our focus with the kids. And we were very athletically inclined, so all of us were very involved with in and every sport and season, very involved and active with those. And then as the kids graduated in college and, and um, uh, got married, and so uh, now we go therapy, which is working it out to go see the grandkids, actually. That, and then um, I will watch anything or sports-related, from tiddlywinks to tennis to you name it. Uh, that's kind of what keeps my interest and uh, we golf we golf so okay uh do you find it hard to keep focus while speaking at camp <laughs> i'm sorry were you talking apparently you too do you find it hard to keep your focus while speaking at camp no Focus on preaching or focus on... Whose water bottle was that? Come on, for heaven's sake! <laughs> don't be, don't be My goodness. <laughs> I'll never forget when I was growing up, we had metal offering plates and a tile floor. Uh, and every so often, some kid would drop the offering plate. Yeah. And you'd hear it hit, and you'd hear coins scatter. And then there was one time where it got into this loop... And it started going, like that, and stopped. All right, trying to keep some focus here. Yeah, what? Oh, the question is: Is it hard to stay focused? Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, this is this. I probably would have been diagnosed with ADHD as a kid. Shocker. Yeah. Okay. I, I did get a diagnosis once, and they, the doctor is a very technical term. It's called ants in my pants. Is a diagnosis. That's, that's exactly Any right. parents have kids like that? So this question is a bit more uh, poignant. Um, did the life of Christ, did the life and death of Christ actually save people or just make salvation possible? What book did he just read? I don't know. He doesn't say. Is this a repackaging of the question that one of our friends asked us yesterday about the order of salvation? Is, that for, is this from you, Aaron? Did you send this one in? Okay. You want to answer this one? No. <laughs> Marty, do you want to answer this one? No, I want you to answer it. <laughs> I have an answer, but no. And before you ask, no, I want you to answer that. Yeah. I, I believe the death of Christ was sufficient for all and efficient for the elect. Okay. 
I would agree to that. I would agree to that, too. I would agree to that. All right. Can you give some suggestions on how a homeschooling mom who is involved in church ministry reach out to the unsaved and develop meaningful relationships? So I'm assuming she's pretty busy. And she's involved in her church. What does it look like for her to be able to reach out and try to impact unsaved folks? Liz, do you want to come up here and answer this one? I didn't think so. <laughs> You're Are not you getting sure? any help from anybody. Yeah. Give you a piece of candy if you do. <laughs> you want a dollar? <laughs> How about a slushie? <laughs> I, well, I, I, I got an answer. You go ahead. That's fine. I'll go after you. We're, our kids go to a hybrid school. It's uh, two days in school, two days at home. So... Technically, uh, we're considered a homeschool family. Never thought I'd say those words. Uh, That wasn't our direction originally, but it's how the Lord led us here. So my wife's super busy with that. She's busy at uh, church as well. She's the director of our women's ministry presently at the church. So um, she's got her hands full. The best way, as a busy mom like that, the best way is to open your home in hospitality. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the best, the best thing you could do. Um, you get your best bang for your buck that way. So there, there's a certain amount of things that you do normally, just naturally. Uh, and you can just fuse that into having people over. Uh, every Halloween, uh, we use that as an opportunity to invite. We've got several families in our neighborhood. We invite them over to our house for supper. And then all the kids uh, trick-or-treat together. Um, that's just, that's been a great thing that the neighbors count on it. They know that's what's going to happen. And so, um, my wife would be making supper for us anyway that night. She just quadruples the recipe of chili and we have people over. My neighbor, Bill, I talked to you about, don't know him very well yet. I'd I'd really like to get Bill over for, for a meal. So that's just one guy, older man. I, I doubt he's got the appetite of a teenager. Um, most nights we probably have enough food just to say, Bill, come on over. So, but that's, you know, that's my wife making that happen in, in a sense. So I think there's a lot of power to hospitality in that way. Look around for people that you would run into on a normal daily basis. So for instance, you've got a homeschool mom, you're probably going to the library. If you're going to the library, you know, the librarian strike up a relationship or a friendship with the librarian. Um, It could be as simple as uh, a kind word in the line at the grocery store and you go to the same places so you run into the same people. And, And those are great opportunities as well as one of the things that that Lynn and I have been working on is, is I like to smoke meat. That's one of my things that I enjoy. And so I take meat to different people. And uh, Rich, you still haven't gotten your meat yet, but you'll live. Uh, Rich is my neighbor, and Jesse's my neighbor. And uh, Rich is always going, I didn't get anything. Um, but that, that's important to do that. And um, then also, uh, it doesn't take a lot of time to whip up a pan of lasagna 
and I don't know why this sticks in my head, but just take lasagna to somebody. Just take it over to their house and say, I brought you lasagna and maybe some garlic bread, that frozen garlic bread that's really good, that New have, York. Have you ever whipped up a pan of lasagna? Yes, I have. I don't know if everybody would agree that it doesn't take a lot of time to whip up a pan of lasagna. Am I right on that? I'm going to say that I have cooked multitudinous numbers of pans of lasagna, and it's not that hard. I'm Just seeing, because you can't cook doesn't mean that it's, it's I'm hard. I'm seeing a uh, lasagna cook-off coming next year at Family 3. <laughs> Throw down! Somebody just texted me and said, Okay, do you want somebody to bring you lasagna or what? <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to end with this one because we're we got like one minute. So they're asking for your favorite verse, favorite book of the Bible, and why that stands out to you. I'll start since these guys are thinking. Okay, First Timothy one sixteen is my life verse. First Timothy one fifteen says that it's a faithful and trustworthy saying that uh, every uh, that. Paul's the chief of sinners, okay? The verse that follows that is not as well known. It says, Nevertheless, for this cause have I obtained mercy, that in me first Christ Jesus showed forth all long suffering as a pattern to them who might believe on him to everlasting life. And that's my life verse. That's if, if God could use me, God could use any of us. And so that's, that's my life verse. Um, Probably my favorite book of the Bible is either Romans or Hebrews. Uh, just, just love those books, and uh, that's why. Favorite verses are really, that's, that's a tough question, but I, I really go back a lot to 2 Corinthians 5.21, that he has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we may be made the righteousness of God, because it includes both sides of salvation both halves of salvation, as we talked about the other night, uh, the debt piece and the righteousness piece. And I just think that's a beautiful verse. Um, the book of John is probably my favorite book. De that came from preaching through the book of John a few years ago. It was probably one of the personally most enriching studies, uh, just on a, on a study level for me as a, as a preacher to go through the book of John. It's a real heart change. Um, so this isn't Mike-ish, my new term, Mike-ish. Mike-ish? Yeah. Your name Mike? You know, a little witty, quick, but, but it's, it actually, I don't have a favorite verse, and, um, so my favorite verse or favorite book would be the one I'm studying, okay. quite honestly. Whatever I'm in, I'm in, that's it. All right, we're going to turn this over to uh, Marty. And uh, if you have other questions, please come talk to us. Especially uh, somebody sent me a text and was like, hey, uh, what kind of podcast do you like? What do you listen to? What do you enjoy? And that kind of thing. How does that help you to grow in your Christian walk? And uh, I can give you a diatribe of uh, good, good podcasts that I like to listen to. And um, so let us know if we can help you in any way. And you're on. What time are we done?